Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. But unity has to be modeled here inside these four walls so that it can spread to this community around us. And listen, if we as the church don't model unity, there's no way that the United States of America can experience unity. Because true unity can only be found in Jesus Christ. There are two kingdoms of this world. There is the kingdom of God... And then there's the kingdom of the enemy. And if the kingdom of God does not model unity, then what happens is we surrender to the kingdom of the enemy. And our call as followers of Jesus, as his sons and daughters, are to model unity here so that we can show the world what true unity looks like. And I have to tell you, That what the enemy has done in the United States and around the world, this is how he always works. And it's not unique to us. It's been in every culture, in every society, in every area of the world, going all the way back to uh, Genesis chapter 3. The enemy begins by bringing disunity with people. Here's what it looked like in Genesis chapter 3. Sin entered the world. God always confronts sin. And what did Adam and Eve do? They pointed the finger at each other. And let me tell you, there were only two people at this point in time. They had to be unified, right? One was created from the other. God created Adam, breathed life into them. They probably didn't have belly buttons because they were the first two, right? And that's it. It was just them. They had to be unified, But in just the first two people, God caused, or the enemy caused disunity. And it continues all the way. We get here to today in 2023 in our country, and for decades now, we've seen how the enemy has disunified God's creation so that we can, we begin to turn and want to fight each other. And we have all kinds of labels, and we have all kinds of different camps. But remember, this is the foundation that we're building from today. God always finishes what he starts. Always. And he started something here in Acts chapter 10 that we've got to figure out so that we can catch what God wants to do through us in this refuge of grace right here where he's planted all of us. So if you'll follow along with me in Acts chapter 10. First, I always want to say thank you, Pastor Gary, for the amazing message you preached to us last week. We are so blessed to have, um, yeah, give him a huge round of applause. 
we are so blessed to have so many amazing people that God uses as a part of this church. Uh, on staff, volunteers, in so many different areas. And we are blessed by so many, and Pastor Gary is one, so thank you so much for the amazing godly word that you spoke to us last week. And so we're building off of this. So Pastor Gary led us into what God was doing with Peter, how God used Peter. We begin to see some amazing signs come out of Peter, and this is going to continue here in Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. I would have been a Cornelius like this if that angel starts speaking and appears in a vision. Cornelius said in verse 4, What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a named a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up. Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come to Cornelius, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guest. Let's keep reading. It's a little long, but I want you to see what's happening here. So to just to recap a little bit of what's happened in Scripture, there's two people here, and they really couldn't be any different than uh, the centurion Cornelius and Peter. Peter being a devout Jew, he was actually with Jesus. Jesus actually called him and told Peter that he was going to, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God was going to do amazing things in launching out the church. And here we actually see this prophecy begin to take place in what God was doing through Peter. But it came about 
through the spread of the gospel. Kind of like blowing on those dandelions after it comes up, it, the flower dies off, and then the seeds birth out, and it's just that big white puff of what looked like cotton to me as a, as a child. The Holy Spirit blows on that, and the believers begin to scatter because they're scared that this guy named Saul, who had just gotten converted, but they didn't know that, was actually going to come for, come for them and actually arrest them and take them to be killed because they believed in Jesus Christ. Peter, being one of those that were scattered, totally different from this centurion, the, uh, Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew. Peter was a Jew. Peter followed the Jewish observation and the Jewish laws. Cornelius, not so much. In addition... Cornelius, Luke tells us here in the book of Acts, was a part of the Italian regiment. He was actually more than likely a part of that crew that was fighting against the Christians. But God had done something in Cornelius, and God had done something in Peter. And these two separate people who are listening to the Holy Spirit, God is going to bring them together. And now look, God is doing something in Acts chapter 10 that we have to catch because God always finishes what he starts And there's something that started here in Acts chapter 10 that is vital for us today in 2023 right here in the United States of America. So let's finish this last part of Acts chapter 10. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Now, this is not a probable connection that would have been made except for Cornelius listening to the Holy Spirit and Peter listening to the Holy Spirit as well. When Peter had this vision, and then three times it happened, and then God actually directing him. The same with Cornelius. Peter running, running, and being scattered, running away from persecution, would not have ran directly to anybody in the Italian regiment. Because the Italian regiment would want to silence this move of Christianity. And they actually fueled the non-Christian Jews so that they could be arrested and silenced. Because the Italians were worried that this kingdom that Jesus talked about was going to result in him actually sitting on a throne and overthrowing their king. But here, God is starting something. And God is doing something, and it is not finished, and he wants to continue this work. So let's see what that is. Verse 27. Talking with him, or uh, hold on, let me, yep, so talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. Now you've got to catch the seriousness of that. It is against the law. Not only is it against their law, it is against all human reason that they would be connected in this moment because of the fear of being arrested and crucified. And sometimes the things that God directs us to do does not make fleshly or human sense because we see in the moment We see today 
But God is not confined by time. And God is beginning something here. Let's continue to see what it is. But, in, in the middle of verse 28, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. And you've got to understand what Peter's saying there. God in a vision, God speaking through the Holy Spirit to Peter, has totally changed everything that he's learned. Totally revamped who Peter thought the gospel was actually for. And we will begin to see how some of this fleshed out in the later churches. And it's important for us. Verse 29. So when I, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. In this moment, Peter's receiving some revelation from the Lord in understanding what his vision is. Now catch this as we continue to read this. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, verse 35, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through, throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They received the Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now listen, God has started something here in Acts chapter 10 that he wants to use us to continue to bring his unity truly, truly to the United States of America for every one of us. And it's not just us, it's in every church. And I believe the tensions that we are experiencing in our country today that we would say are racial tensions are being used directly by the enemy to separate us as believers so that he can then begin to attack and destroy us. I believe the enemy is causing racial division and tension from what we would see here taking place between the Jews and the Gentiles, and we are putting this off as a difference of skin color. 
But I want to tell you something. We have to not figure out how to overcome racial tensions. What we have to do is figure out what Jesus is actually saying to us in the church. Because we cannot battle any of these tensions on our own and fight the fight ourselves. Instead, what we have to do is we have to just be listeners of God. Now, I know because I said racial tensions, it's tuned some of us out already. Because there are some people that are good, good, good people that think that there are no racial tensions in our country. And there are some well-intentioned people that think that these things that, that do exist cannot actually be overcome. And I will tell you that they cannot be overcome as long as we look to Tallahassee and as long as we look to Washington, D.C. to overcome. The only thing that can solve any tension, racial or not, in our midst is when we listen direct to the Holy Spirit. Now, Cornelius and Peter set out to begin here just following Jesus Christ. That was their only intention. And God spoke to them direct through the power of the Holy Spirit and said, I want you to both join together so that you can overcome any of these tensions that exist between the Jews and between the Gentiles. What might make sense to us is to sit down and put together some type of racial, um, racial conference where we begin to come together open-minded and begin to figure out what these issues are that face us in our world today. That would be the wrong way to go about it. Because launching into that would be us trying to figure out a solution Peter and Cornelius have given us a map here under the direction of the Holy Spirit. God starts something, and he always finishes it. He always finishes everything he starts. And I believe that God wants to use us in the way that he used Cornelius and Peter. And here's the map that we have to do. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. We see what that does is it takes the weight off of us. But here's what I believe is happening here. I shared this thought in our chapel service in, in, uh, in our 7th through 12th grade students about a year ago now. Um, we think the answer for us is to have race conversations. We think that this is the right thing to do. And I'll tell you, that's the wrong thing to do. Because as I was wrestling with this a year ago, thinking, okay, there's some racial tension in our country, I thought, well, we need to have a racial conversation, race conversations with our student body. And what God really impressed on me at that point, we're right, but we've got to add one more letter to that word race. It's got to be grace. It's got to be grace. And if you'll look at what Peter and Cornelius did, they did not come together thinking that they were going to have some conversations about the differences in the Jews and the Gentiles. No. God put them together by speaking through the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, 
God has put you together here in this refuge of grace, not that we could launch out and begin to solve the racial tensions in our country, but so that we can just simply have grace conversations, which is the right conversations, which is us simply listening to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful that we are a group, I said this last week, that we are a group of believers who join together unified, regardless of what our skin color is. It doesn't matter if you're red or yellow, black or white. We sang it as a kid. We apply it here at Whitechapel Church and in all of our ministries, but we can't let that rest with us. We've got to get this grace conversation out of these walls and lead the way We think that the problem is our skin and the way that people act, but it's not. The problem is not skin, it is sin. And whenever we're having grace conversation, the conversation always addresses sin. Whenever we're having racial conversations, the problem is always addressed in the skin. And we have been pursuing racial conversations, but we've got to have grace-filled conversations in the same way that Peter and Cornelius have been doing right here. Now, you may think, boy, you're just having this conversation with us because, you know, we're in the middle of Black History Month. And I have to tell you, I didn't plan to be in Acts chapter 10 right here uh, in the middle of February. I plan to preach through Acts and be finished before Christmas. And we're only right now in Acts chapter 10. But do you see how God sees the timing here? Do you see how God has orchestrated the timing so that us listening to the Holy Spirit can guide us and direct us? And if you think that we, in looking at what we are going to preach or bring from this platform, is guided by a calendar instead of the Holy Spirit, you're 100% wrong. Because we, listening to the Holy Spirit, get to this moment, and we get to discover that Peter and Cornelius have began a revelation by the Holy Spirit that is vital for us today. And I want to tell you that there are white people that are wrong. There are brown people that are wrong. There are red people that are wrong. And there are black people that are wrong. There are yellow people. Whatever other color you want to come from. And whenever we start pointing the finger at whoever's wrong, we start having a racial conversation instead of a grace-filled conversation. It's not about who's wrong. It's about us listening to the Holy Spirit. But when there are wrongs, we have to stand for what Jesus is telling us to say and fight his battle instead of fighting the battle that we want in our own kingdom. And I want to tell you, we have to ask ourselves, what has God revealed to us through his word so that we take as truth and stand on the truth alone? But I want to begin by a survey that PBS NewsHour did Um, It was uh, about a year ago. I shared this in chapel service. The question, and you'll notice, grace relations. Well, when you start there, or I'm sorry, race relations. When you start there, you've already started wrong. You see, the media, uh, let's just go through this. Um, The question from PBS NewsHour is this. Would you say race relations, wrong question, right? Wrong question. Would you say race relations in the U.S. are better, about the same, or worse than they were a year ago? You can look across the panel here where they've segmented into different skin tones here, 
And you can look, and it's really kind of looking at whites, blacks, all respondents. The majority here is actually saying it's worse. You know why? Because they're asking the wrong question. They started with race, and the media cannot start with grace. They start with the wrong question. But I want to tell you, what does the Bible tell us about this topic? What does God reveal in this topic? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, and if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, and this is where some of us are going to think, boy, this guy's really gone off the rails. But I want you to stick with me, because we've got to figure out what God does, how God has worked, how he's revealed himself, and how he made creation. In Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 2, God did not make a white Adam and Eve, a red Adam and Eve, a black Adam and Eve, and a yellow Adam and Eve. God made one Adam and Eve. God made one race, and out of that race, every person and every skin tone came out of Adam and Eve. Every skin color is a product of Adam and Eve. And I'll tell you, and and I'm not being funny in this because it's true. I struggle sometimes when I have to fill out some type of a, a survey or whatever, and they ask, or some types of questions, health insurance or whatever, auto insurance, and they want to know what race you are. I love genealogy. I love genealogy. And I can go back right now about, uh, about nine, ten generations in my family tree, uh, pretty much on both sides. And I'll tell you, you pick a color of skin, and I've got it in my genealogy. So what am I? Do you know what I am? I'm human. And you know what God made? He made humans. He did not make black humans. He did not make white humans. Now listen, God crafted you in your mother's womb, and he gave some of us a little darker pigment than he did other people. And he, gave, he made us, every one of us, exactly how we are. But he only made one race, and that's the human race. And then inside of that, we have allowed the lies of the enemy and fake lying in the enemy and science, in the science world to say there's this race and this race and this race and this race and this race. And it's all lies that evolve primarily out of Darwin's teaching of evolution, which contradicts the scripture. And so we as kingdom builders have to ask ourselves, what does Jesus say? The scripture is clear. There was one race that was created, and that was Adam and Eve. And the lies of the enemy have segmented us and divided us. We have to stop seeing what's on the outside and start addressing the issues of the heart in every single person. And you know how this works? We want to point the fingers and say the problem is the police. We want to say the problem are the politicians. And we say the problem is this person and the problem is that person. And that is the ploy of the enemy. And then what we want to say, and and I'll tell you, again, I want to say that it doesn't matter what the skin color is. Throughout history, if people, no matter what their skin color is, have been operating, not listening to the Holy Spirit, they've done wrong. And we as kingdom builders have to be like Peter and Cornelius here in Acts chapter 10. And we have to be the ones to stand up for the truth of what God is doing and how God wants to use us in this refuge of grace. So what what we begin to believe in the lies is I have been wronged 
And so therefore you owe me something. Or you have to do this for me because I've been wrong. And it's every, it's every race. It's every race. Or we begin to believe the lie of what we would say from the root is critical race theory, that there's a certain group of people that is always the oppressor. Listen, theories don't hold up to Scripture. Only Scripture can hold up against everything else. And when we're listening to the Holy Spirit, you don't have to have a theory because a theory may be right or it may be wrong. We have to be truth people that are standing for the truth of the Scripture. And the truth of the Scripture is every single human being was created as God's image bearer. And it doesn't matter what the skin color is. We have to be people to make certain that we are listening to the Holy Spirit and fighting the right fight. So how do we do that? How in the world is this possible? I want to give you one scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Paul writing here. So remember, Paul who was killing, killing these Jews because they believed in Jesus Christ. Paul says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That's from the New International Version. Let me give it to you in the message because I love what this says. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. Isn't that awesome? Listen, that's how we as a country have been addressing racial issues to begin with. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. But they never get around to exercising it in real life. And then those who trust God's action in in them find that God's spirit is in them. The living and breathing God. But let me point out two different sections of this verse. There's a first part and there's a last part. And here is how we address uh, any racial tensions and change those conversations to grace conversations or any other tension in the world. Any other tension there is. This is how we address it. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to have your mind set on what the flesh desires. And you know what the flesh desires? The flesh always desires somebody to punish for wrongs that have been done. You know what grace desires? Jesus stepped in for all of the wrongs and took the punishment on himself. But the last part is this. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So I want to ask you, what is your mind set on? Whenever you face any tension in your life, Whenever you face any mountain in your life, whenever you face any issue in front of you, what is your mind set on? Is it set on the flesh or is it listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you wanting what the flesh wants and whenever you see wrong, you want your pound of flesh to be pounded out in that person? Or do you want what the Spirit wants? And listen, we as adults have to figure this out in God's kingdom Because what we've allowed is an entire multitude of generations to be lied to from the enemy, 
from politicians and media and other influences in our culture, and they bought into this lie that there's some, uh, some races that are better than other races, and some races, they can only do what they can only do, and some people are here and some people are there, and he not only does it there, but he does it in class. There's an upper class, a middle class, and a lower class, and there's all of, listen, we've got to stop operating in the flesh, and we've got to step back into the spirit and say, God, this is a huge issue that our own government, as great as it is, cannot solve. And we need you in this moment in our country to give us an Acts 10 approach to what you were doing in unifying the believers, Jews and Gentiles alike, who hated each other and would never associate with each other and were against the law to be together. We need today an Acts 10 move of the Holy Spirit so that we change the conversation from the color of the skin to a grace-filled conversation. And listen, that has to start with us. And we have to stand up and say, I do not want any other generation to be lied to. We have to tell the truth of the Scripture. We've got to sit with God and listen to Him. And we have to be the leaders for the sake of the move of God and the building up of His kingdom. It starts in here right now with us on this 12th day of February of 2023 that we become the ones who move from here and say, no, 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 no. We're not going to let lies be tell, told any longer. We're going to stand up and change the conversation to a grace conversation and listen to the Holy Spirit. But you know what that takes? It takes every one of us laying down our pride Every one of us laying down our pride. And it doesn't matter what color your skin is. We all have to lay down our pride, every single one of us. Do you know how we got to this point anyway? I wrestled with this this week, and I went back to the Tower, the Tower of Babel where everyone was scattered out and, and looked at that sin that was taking place there. And I saw in that you know, what they wanted to do is they wanted to get to God. They wanted to be like him. But you know what that was? That was a sin of pride in those people. That God then destroyed their pride and scattered everybody out. Answers in Genesis has some amazing articles and books that are written about this. And it goes back to that sin of pride as they were building that tower where everybody was scattered, and that then is where we begin to see different colors because of how everybody was scattered of the sin actually come to part, and different genes of different people actually being united together and segmented off so they could not even be with each other because God scattered their, their language. And you know what it was? It was the sin of pride. And we, as God's kingdom builders, have to lay down our pride and get over ourself and get over of the territory that we've built so that we can actually begin to have some grace conversations together. If we were to move to the next scripture from Romans 8, 5 to Romans 8, 6, this is what Paul says. The mind governed by the flesh is death. So you can follow the flesh and you can have race conversations if you want. But this is what we've got, death. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by sin is death. 
The mind that is filled with pride is all filled with death. But there's hope. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And listen, the United States of America needs life and peace. And what it takes is the mind governed by the Spirit in the same way that Peter and Cornelius' mind were governed by the Spirit in this conversation. It was hard for Peter. Had to be hard for Cornelius. But they were following the Spirit. So I want to ask you, what hard thing is God asking you to do? To shift the conversation from a race conversation to a grace conversation. We're fighting it in the school. Had a meeting on Friday with a parent. All over race. And you know what it was? It was the lies of the enemy. I'm tired of battling the lies and buying into the lies of the enemy. I'm tired of this generation of kids being lied to by the enemy. You know what? Our, this generation of kids, they're being discipled by the lies of the enemy. Whoever wants this generation will get this generation. And I'm putting a stake in the ground today for us as Whitechapel Church, this refuge of grace, that we're going to fight for this generation. And we're not going to let this generation be lied to. And we're going to believe the truth of the Scripture and instill the truth of God in their hearts. They're not going to follow the flesh so that they get death. We want them to follow the Spirit so they get life and peace. My generation was lied to. We believe the lies in our textbooks and from the media and our politicians. And we bought into it. And it only caused more division. But this refuge of grace, we've got to be filled with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit to bring life and peace in God's kingdom in this moment. You know what that is? That's unity modeled here so that that unity spreads to this community. And it all starts with us right now. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this moment? I'm not going to give you an action plan. Because the action plan that I would give may not be what the Spirit is stirring in you. God did not say to me, go to Cornelius. I wasn't Cornelius, and he didn't say to me, go get a Peter. That was God's direction for Cornelius and Peter. But they gave us a pattern. They gave us a plan. And you know what that is? Listen to the Spirit. And what I want to ask you to commit to in this moment is changing the conversation from a race conversation to a grace conversation. And that's when I believe that this refuge of grace is going to be so unified overcoming the lies of the enemy and the death that he intends to bring in this generation that we're just operating in life and peace and the world will be asking what is taking place in that refuge of grace and the world will be drawn to what God is doing here you see that here in Acts chapter 10 that's what happened and so what I'm asking you to commit to in this moment is just stop listening to all the noise and start listening to Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I believe that God always finishes what he starts. I wholeheartedly believe that. And God started something here in Acts chapter 10 that I want us to be a part of 
watching him finish in this world. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.